This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, better known as The Radio Show Nerd, and tonight's episode is called Creature Feature, and this is just going back to the basics in horror with two stories involving larger-than-life creations that cause chaos and much destruction. <laughs> so, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Hall of Fantasy and The Mysterious Traveler. The first radio play is called The Automaton, and it was featured on The Hall of Fantasy on July 27th, 1953 and was rebroadcasted on February 8th, 1954. It was written and directed by Richard Thorne. And a part of me thinks he used the short story, The Automata, which was written by E.T.A. Hoffman in 1814, as the blueprint for this radio play. But I can't be positive. Following that is the radio play, If You Believe. And this was featured on The Mysterious Traveler on December 29th, 1946. It was written and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Cogan. Now, I have two questions for you. The first, is there such a thing as the perfect specimen? Number two, how powerful are our thoughts and desires? Ponder those when you listen to these stories tonight. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Automaton, followed by If You Believe. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Automaton. Over here is what I call its brain. Put the power on, Elizabeth. Yes, Father. I've only begun on the binary system, but watch. 
Now you'll see a sight that no one else has ever seen before. It's walking around the laboratory. Yes, you're witnessing the first movements of a new creation, superior to man in that it will never tire, a servant to man. For that will be its place in the future. A machine that looks like a man and will be able to think like one. Fantasy will present the automaton in just a moment. The automaton. I first met Dr. Eric Ziegler at the conference on scientific research. I knew of him, of course. His name was famous throughout the world as one of the foremost experts on automatic control. It was the closing session of the conference when he made his now famous speech. And in conclusion, gentlemen, may I say that mankind can expect his technological advance to continue. He can look forward to the future in the secure knowledge that his life will become easier and longer through the advances we make. That he will be free to direct his energies towards the conquering of new frontiers, bringing him closer to the day when he will stand alone over all the universe. His speech so aroused me that I couldn't help making my way to the speaker's platform, pushing my way through the crowd which surrounded him in order to congratulate him. Congratulations, Dr. Ziegler. Dr. Ziegler? Dr. Yes, Ziegler. yes. My name is Drake Sheridan. I just wanted to tell you I thought your speech was the best thing I've ever heard. I take that as a compliment coming from you, Dr. Sheridan. I know about your work. Oh, nothing at all compared to yours, sir. Uh, Dr. Sheridan, I'd like to talk to you further. Now, why don't you come to my house this evening? What time? After dinner, about 8.30. Here's my card. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, you'll be there? Of course. I'll see you then. Yes? I uh, came to see Dr. Ziegler. Oh, your name? Drake Sheridan. Oh, yes. He's been expecting you. Won't you come in? Thank you. Just follow me. Was the most interesting effect of all. A new paragraph. Uh, the success of the automaton of which I'm speaking is uh, dependent upon the excellence of the brain I can give him. Uh, my work has become so... Dr. Sheridan is here, Father. Oh, oh, excuse me. I do hope you'll forgive me, Dr. Sheridan. Of course, I sir. I was dictating my report on a project on which I am now working. Please be seated. And before I forget, this is my daughter, Elizabeth. How do you do? My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, drink, perhaps, Dr. Sheridan? Yes, I, uh, I could stand one. Yes, any particular preference? No, no. Uh, would you do the honors, Elizabeth? Of course, Father. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Sheridan, perhaps you're wondering why I asked you to come here. I, uh, have been, but I consider it a privilege and an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment, but it wasn't necessary. You may be interested to know that I've followed your career quite closely. And from what I've gathered, you're a very intelligent young man. Well, thank you, Dr. Ziegler. I'm not complimenting you to make you feel comfortable, Dr. Sheridan. I mean what I say. Exactly why did you ask me here, Dr. Ziegler? Uh, to talk to you. To see what kind of a person you are. And here are your drinks. Oh, thank you. Thank you, my dear. That's just right, Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, Dr. Sheridan, I'm going to be completely frank with you. I am working on a private project financed with my own money... 
completely divorced from my work at the Research Institute. Mm-hmm. My daughter has been helping me with his work, but unfortunately she does not have the knowledge nor the training to be of anything more than elementary assistance. I see. I am interested in finding an assistant who will devote his full time with me to the work I am doing. You mean you intend to leave the Institute? Yes, yes. My work is finished there, and besides, I want to devote more time to this particular project of which I'm speaking. What's the nature of your work? Automatic control, of course. Uh, Would you be interested in working with me? It's a great honor, sir. I will make it worth your while. I'd like to know exactly what you're working on before I make any decision. I believe I can trust you. I, I have a building some miles outside of the city which serves as my own personal research laboratory. Uh, we might as well drive out there. That is, if you're interested. Why, certainly I am. Uh, good, good. Uh, Elizabeth, get the car from the garage, please. We'll drive out tonight. Well, you certainly have it well equipped, Dr. Ziegler. I wanted to show you that you would be working with only the finest of equipment. Who's that? Uh, what's that? Could that the watchman? It's nothing to worry about, Bart. Oh, it's you, Dr. Ziegler. I didn't hear you come in. It's all right. We'll check out with you when we leave. All right, sir. Uh, Will you open the door, Elizabeth? Of course. All right, let's go in. I'll put on the lights. Now you'll see what I've been working on for the past year. That sheet-draped figure on the table over there, what is it? My newest research project in automatic control. But what you see, you see. It looks like a human body underneath that sheet. Not quite. Here, I'll pull back the sheet. No, it isn't a human body. That's correct. What do you think of it, Sheridan? What do you think of my automaton? Is it finished? Not yet, but soon, with your help. A mechanical man, a robot shaped exactly like a human being. What better form could I give him? After all, our own bodies evolved to what we are today. Why should I attempt to improve on nature? What do you intend doing with... With him when you finish. Tell him, Elizabeth. Well, this automaton will be able to do all of the hard and painstaking work of mankind with, without ever getting tired. It can fight his wars. It, it can be the first to explore outer space. It can free mankind to direct his energies to, to other channels. I don't know. Oh, come, come, Sheridan. You look at the automaton as if you thought he was some Frankenstein monster. Believe me, this is the farthest thing from that imaginary creature. This is a work of science. This is not a monster created from the dark recesses of someone's imagination. This is our key to the future. We'll return to the Hall of Fantasy and the tale of the automaton in just a moment. Back now to the Hall of Fantasy and the tale of the automaton. Dr. Eric Ziegler, his daughter, and I stood looking down at the metallic figure lying on the table before us. In all respects, it resembled a man, a metal and plastic man, created by the genius of Ziegler. This is our key to the future. This automaton will free man from labor. Let him develop his mind to the fullest. How much longer do you think you'll have to work before it's finished? I can't tell. That's why I need you to help me set up the automatic self-regulation of its brain. Then you haven't developed the system of feedback yet? No. As you are aware, that is the basic machine of all self-regulating systems of automatic control. A man's mind is a complex creation. 
The mind of the automaton must also be complex in order that it can do the work of a man, in order that it can think and regulate itself. Why don't you show him what you've accomplished so far in the feedback system? All right. Now, over here is what I call its brain. Uh, put the power on, Elizabeth. Yes, Father. I've only begun on the binary system, but watch. What do you think now? I'm afraid I don't know what to think. Will you work with me? I... Oh, yes. Who wouldn't jump at the chance? Of course I will. Good, good. You understand, of course, that the feedback system and the binary scale are still in their elementary stages. When the brain, the, the automatic control, is finished, it will fit inside the automaton's body and head. That's correct. There will be controls on the robot's chest to set the automatic control to working and another to stop the machine if it needs to be repaired. Of course, our largest task will be to develop a complete automatic self-regulatory system to fit inside the robot's body. As soon as you can be free... Which should be in about two weeks. Good. Then we shall begin work on the final stages that will lead to the completion of the automaton. Rather than completely sever my relations with the organization for which I worked, I took an extended leave of absence. There were living quarters in the laboratory in the country. Ziegler shut down his house in the city, and he and his daughter and I moved our belongings to the laboratory in order to devote every possible minute to our work. Not only was Ziegler intent on having the automaton think for itself, but he was also insistent that the robot be able to talk. To those ends, we went to work. If we were right in our calculations, the amplifier and receiver we have built into the mechanism will convert our words into electrical impulses, which in turn will activate a response from the automaton. Those responses themselves will be electrical impulses, which will be converted into words. Well, why don't we try it and see, Eric? We might as well, I suppose. After all, the automatic control is almost finished. We only have the more complex reactions to set in the binary scale. All right. Turn the control on his chest. Right. It's on. We'll see what happens. I order you to sit up. S sitting up? Yes. Uh, jump down to the floor. I want you to answer me with your voice. Uh, what have you been created for? To kill. That's not the right reaction. What was that? Correction to work. That's right. We must have made a mistake somewhere along the line in the reactions we set up. That to kill value is present for only one situation. For personal protection. I thought you'd come up and... What are you doing? Well, we're just conducting a test. Oh, man. That's correct. 
Stay back. Stay away from me. Elizabeth, be quiet. He wasn't going to hurt you. I, I'm sorry. He started toward me. Frightened me. You see? He stopped now. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Get back. Back to the table. Lie down again. Turn off the control, Drake. Right. What's the matter, Elizabeth? You're shaking. It's just that that thing frightened me so. It, those lenses that it has for eyes, there's, there's something hypnotic about them. He looks so much like a man. I, I know he's made of plastic and metal, but... Well, I fear him. Elizabeth, there's no sense getting emotional about this. There's nothing to be afraid of. I know you're right, Father, but... But what? But what would happen if you ever lost control of the automaton? That will never happen. But is it possible? Hmm? Perhaps. We didn't do any more work on the automaton that day. We went into the city in the early evening to see a play leaving the watchman at the laboratory to take care of things. We got back about 12 and we're having a late snack. More coffee, Drake? Oh, yes. <clears throat> Please. I think it did us good to get away from here this evening. We've all been working too hard. Uh, do you feel better now, Elizabeth? Oh, yes, Father, much better. Yeah. Tomorrow we can finish up with the automaton. Then we can show him, after suitable tests, of course, to the world. Uh, if we're successful, you ought to win a prize. What was that? Someone screamed. It came from upstairs. We'd better take a look. Who could it have been? The only other person up there is Bert, the watchman. Ah! There it is again. Hurry. Look. Huh? The door to the laboratory is... It's open. He must be in there. The lights are on. We'll see what's wrong in a second. All right. Oh, oh no. It's Bert. What's the matter with him? His neck's been broken. Oh. He's dead. But how? I don't know, only... What's the matter? Look, we turned off the control on the robot when we left, didn't we? Of course we did. Why? Because... Because now it's on, Eric. The control is on. You are listening to the tale of The Automaton on this week's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story. An original tale of fantasy entitled, The Automaton. On the floor of the laboratory sprawled the broken body of Bert, the night watchman. A scant few feet away, I stood looking down at the inert form of the automaton. Before we had left the laboratory, we had turned off the control, and now we found it on. Take a look for yourself. The control is on. But we turned it off before we left. Are you sure? Of course, I turned it off myself. How did it get on? Perhaps Bert turned it on. Why should he do that? Perhaps he was curious. But the most important thing to find out is what killed him. The robot. Don't be a fool, Elizabeth. The robot won't kill unless attacked. That's right, Elizabeth the only reason for it to kill. Actually, the reaction was set in the control system for self-preservation. For no other reason than that. That's the only time the automaton is dangerous. 
Maybe you made a mistake when you set the automatic controls. It's possible that we might have made an error in the feedback system, Eric. And that the automatic selector chose the wrong value. When Bert turned the switch on, the robot thought he was in danger and killed him. We didn't make an error in the feedback system, Drake. We checked each value through five times before we placed it in the server mechanism. You know that as well as I do. Then... How did Bert die? I don't know. Master of Man. It's still on. Turn it off. Did... Did you hear what it said, Eric? Master of Men. We didn't set that reaction in the servo mechanism. Something's wrong. Do you mean the automaton can... can think for itself? What about it, Eric? We'll dismantle it tomorrow morning and check it over thoroughly, just to be sure. What about Bert? We'll merely explain to the authorities that he died in an accident here at the laboratory. We can do that in the morning, too. Now we all need a good night's sleep. Don't you think we ought to move him out of here? Well, they may want to look at his body, Elizabeth. Besides, nothing more can happen to him. <laughs> Elizabeth? Who is it? Drake. What are you doing up here on the second floor outside the laboratory? I... I couldn't sleep. Oh. Well, neither could I. Drake, do you think that... that the robot can operate by itself? Why do you ask that? I was thinking. What if... what if Bert was merely making his rounds... What if he walked into the laboratory and the robot was there, waiting for him? Well, that's... that's not possible, of course. I wouldn't say that. Isn't... isn't it possible that you and Dad might have made a mistake in setting up the feedback system? Isn't it possible that... that there could be an error in the automatic control system that would allow it to operate without being switched on? Operate enough to at least turn the operating switch on? Well, it's, uh, it's possible that there's something comparable to a short in the control system, which would mean that the robot could operate without the control being on. Yes. I want to go in there and take a look at it. Why don't you wait until morning? No, I, I want to see it tonight. All right. Let's go. Are you sure you want to go inside? Yes. Switch on the lights. Mm -hmm. well, everything seems to be all right. Let's take a look at the automaton. Every time I see it, it... It frightens me. There's nothing to be afraid of, Elizabeth. I'm not so sure. Well, the control button is still off. Wasn't he lying the opposite way? With his head at the other end of the table when we left? I don't think. Where's that hum coming from? I don't know. Sounds like the robot's power system. Yet the control button is off. Are you sure? Let me get a little closer to it. Well? The hum is coming from the automaton. That means I was right. I guess you... Great. Huh? Look out. Master of men system is on. It, 
getting up. To kill. To kill. We made a mistake. We must have made a mistake. It's getting down. Let's get out of here. Is, is it following us? No, it's just standing there. But it will be after us in a few seconds. Hurry, hurry. Let's get this door closed and locked. Oh, I can see it through the glass panel. Starting towards the door. I heard some noise up here. What's the matter? The automaton's in operation without the control being on. What? That's right. We must have made a mistake, Eric. The, 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 the only thought that thing knows is to kill. We have to destroy it. It's getting closer to the door. That door won't hold. Let's get out of here. It has to be destroyed. But how? It weighs over half a ton. I think I have it. Stop here by this window. Oh, another crash against that door and it'll be out of the lab. What are you going to do? Its reactions are slower than ours. We'll wait here for it. It'll come walking towards us. At the last minute, we'll run to the side. I don't think it'll be able to stop itself in time. It should crash through the window and to the ground below. The two-story drop should destroy it. The door is down. I hope your plan works. And if it doesn't? Then we'll have to think of something else. Here it comes. It's looking up and down the hallway for us. Over here! Over here! It sees you. Here it comes. Don't kill. Don't kill. It's getting closer. When do we move away? Not yet. Master of men. How soon? In a moment. To kill! Now! Uh, are you sure it's destroyed? Yes. The fall completely destroyed the automatic control. You're looking at nothing but a pile of metal. What do you intend doing? Starting all over again. Somewhere along the line, we made a mistake. We have to find that mistake and correct it. We don't want a master of men, but a servant of men. Someday, I don't know when, but someday, we'll be successful. And then one of mankind's most useful servants will be the automaton. All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Mysterious Traveler. This is the Mysterious Traveler, inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, and it will thrill you a little and uh, chill you a little. So settle back and get a good grip on your nerves, if you can. Where are we going? My, tonight we're going on a little excursion into the realm of pure imagination. You've all heard the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Well, suppose, just suppose many people came to believe in something something that couldn't possibly be real. Such as an artificial monster growing in a scientist's laboratory. What would happen? Well, if you want to know what might happen, uh, listen to the story I call... If You Believe. story begins in a rambling old house deep in the woods. In a homemade laboratory, gray-haired Professor Jonathan Davis is peering eagerly into a large glass container that holds an odd, transparent, jelly-like substance. Ellen! Oh, Ellen! Yes, sir? Ellen, come quick. I'm coming, dear. What is it? Ellen, look. I think... I think I've succeeded at last. Oh, Dad. You look. Your eyes are better than mine. Yes, isn't there movement in the protoplasm this time? Isn't it stirring just a little? No, Dad. There isn't any movement. No? You're positive, Ellen? I I was sure I saw some sign of light. I'm quite positive, Dad. Now, please, won't you admit that what you're trying to do is impossible? No, Ellen. No, I will succeed. I know it. Now, come, we've got to try another feeding mixture. If you hand me the saline solution and dextrose, now I'll begin again. But while Professor Davis labored in his lonely seclusion to make a lifelong dream come true, something that was to affect him vitally was happening in the editorial room of the largest newspaper in the nearby city. Steady desk, Benson speaking. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. McGuire. Yes? Well, yes, sure, I've been reading Dan Duncan's special features. I edit them. I see. You don't think they've been colorful enough lately, huh? Well, to tell the truth, I agree with you. I've been meaning to speak to him about it. Yes. Sure, I'll do it now. He just came in. 
Right. Right. Good night, Mr. McGuire. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Joe. What cooks? The big boss just phoned down. What's he want? Well, frankly, he thinks you're slipping. McGuire thinks I'm slipping. Well, I like that. That's what he said. And I've done everything to get hot material except to go out and commit a murder myself. Well, maybe he's tired of murders. You want to know why you don't turn up something like that haunted house story you did last spring? Why, I don't. <laughs> that was a good story, wasn't it? There was a honey. Yeah. Especially the description of the way the ghost of the drowned girl walked around the house, leaving wet spots where it stepped. You know, I caught a heck of a cold walking around in wet socks to make those footmarks. No more than you deserve for faking a story. You're faking a story. Listen, Benson, any time a million readers believe a story, it's true. And they believed in that ghost. Every one of them. I'm not saying they didn't, but McGuire wants another story just as good. i got a good mind to tell the old buzzer to fly a kite. Another story like... Hey. Huh? What is it? I think I got it. Hey, Ted. Ted Jones. Oh, yeah, Dan. Front and center. Oh. Yeah, what is it, Dan? All right, dump your camera on the desk and sit. Okay. Now, tell me, what was that story you told me last week about some professor living up in the woods back at town... Never coming out of his private lab. Oh, you mean uh, Professor Davis? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Well, what about him? There was a fuss over something he said in the lecture one day, wasn't there? A fuss? Well, it was more like an explosion. Hey, wait a minute. I remember that case. Professor claimed he could create an artificial man, wasn't that it? No, 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 no. He said that an artificial man might be produced someday. Uh, might be. Well, the paper said he claimed he could create one. Yeah, I know. Well, it made a good story, didn't it? And drove Professor Davis out of the university into retirement... Oh, the school didn't like the publicity. Water under the bridge, kid. Anyway, here's the old professor working away secretly for the last five years. All alone? No, no, he, he wasn't all alone. His daughter Ellen's with him. How old is she? Oh, she was 15 then, so... She's 20 now. Good looker? Well, I was in Professor Davis's class. I remember as a, well, as a skinny brat with uh, yellow hair. Yeah, good, a blonde. So here's the prof secretly working with his beautiful blonde daughter at what? I'll bite. What? Why, he's trying to prove he was right. He's trying to create a, an artificial man. Say, you've got something there. Oh, now, wait a minute. You don't know Professor Davis is trying to create artificial life. Well, we soon will. You know where his hideout is, don't you? Yeah. Oh, but... All right, then grab your camera. Let's get going. Oh, now, wait a minute, Dan. Suppose you find Professor Davis is... Ah, oh, forget it. Benson? Save me two columns. Come on, Ted. We're on our way. There, Ellen. It's done. Now we must warm it ever so gently. It'll stay at blood heat until morning. And then, Ellen... Oh, I hope so, Dad. But, darling, if you fail again, won't you please promise me to... Stop trying to create this artificial protoplasm. Well, we'll talk about that in the morning. Now, uh, oh, who could that be? I'll go see that. Yes? I'm Ted Jones, Miss Davis. I don't suppose you remember me. Ted Jones? Oh, you were one of Father's students, weren't you? Yes, that's right. I'm a newspaper photographer now. Oh. Uh, could we come in... I have a friend with me, a reporter. Ellen, and... who is it? Uh, newspaper men, Dad. They want to see you. Newspaper men, don't let them in. Send them away. I right, come now, Professor. We just want to ask you a couple of questions, and uh, but we can talk better inside, so... Uh, there. 
Now we can talk like friends. Hey, but, Dan, we weren't invited in. How dare you force your way in here? Get out, both of you. Please go. Dan, come on. Professor Davis doesn't want to talk to us. Keep your shirt on, Ted. Just a couple of questions, Professor. Now, isn't it true that hidden away here, you're creating artificial life? I won't answer your questions. You just print more lies and ruin everything I'm trying to do. Then you are creating artificial life, huh? Young man, I... Tell me how far you've gotten. You figuring on springing an artificial man on us one of these days? You fools. While I still struggle to create synthetic protoplasm, you talk of artificial men. Go, go before I throw you out. Please go, please. Come on, Dan, we're leaving. Okay, we're going. Thanks for the interview, Professor. Read all about it in tomorrow's curtain. The imbeciles. What do they know of science? All they want is to cheapen my work. Make it a sensation for the headlines. Oh, please, Father, you must get control of yourself. They're gone now. Yes, yes, dear. They shan't interfere with my work. Well, come, we must adjust the heathen. Ellen. Ellen. Yes, Dad, what is it? Ellen, the mixture's moving. This time I'm sure of it. The protoplasm. It's alive. <laughs> This is something. Behind bolted doors deep in the woods, Professor Jonathan Davis toils night and day to create the world's first synthetic man. In a great vat lies a strange caricature of humanity. It has a head, arms, legs, a body, all of them fashioned of a pale green substance like gelatin. Nice touch, huh? Day by day, life stirs more strongly in this grotesque creation of science. Someday it may breathe, walk, eat. Now look, Dan, aren't you going pretty strong? Ah, forget it. The old man wants a story, doesn't he? Besides, the professor really is working on synthetic protoplasm. Maybe he has got a pale green monster in his bathtub. How do I know? Okay, Dan, but if you're faking this story, I know nothing about it. Faking it? You know I never fake stories. Okay, We'll set this up and put it in the press wires. By noon tomorrow, 40 million people will be believing in Professor Davis' artificial monster. By noon tomorrow, I'll be believing in it myself. People read the story and marveled and believed. While in the laboratory hidden in the woods. Ellen, look. This time, this time it is alive. It is. There can be no doubt of it. The liquid is certainly moving, Dad. Yes, see? And the protoplasm is breathing. Listen. You can hear it. I've created artificial life, Ellen. Yes, I'm, I'm afraid so, Dad. Afraid so? What do you mean? I'd like to see their faces down at the university when they hear of this. It's grown since last night. Yes, it has. The cells are multiplying like true protoplasm. That's why I transferred it to the staff tank. Now I'm at that salt, acid, phosphorus. Oh, that, that must be grocery boy. Excuse me, Dad. Yes? Oh, you... Uh, Miss Davis, I hope that you'll let me apologize. We have nothing to say to you. Please don't shut the door before I explain. Explain? There's nothing to explain. You force your way in here. I came to apologize for that. Well, 
Have you seen the morning papers? We're not interested in the papers. I'm afraid you'll be interested in this one. Look. Oh, how outrageous. That story of your father creating an artificial man is in every paper in the country, and I... Well, I feel I'm to blame, and... I want to make up for it. Can't I come in so we can talk? I guess you'd better, Mr. Jones. But Dad mustn't see this paper. Oh, no, no, of course not. But won't he recognize me? No, I don't think so. He's very nearsighted. I'll just tell him that you used to be one of his students. And if you'll tell me the real truth, I'll try to get the paper to understand that Dan Duncan just made up his story. Who is it, Ellen? Uh, it, it's Ted Jones, Dad, one of your former students. He, he called to say hello. Jones, uh, Jones, Ted Jones. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Organic chemistry, wasn't it, Joan? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> You're the one who kept breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jones, I, I have something here you'd be very interested in. Come and see. Yes, sir. Look. That stuff in the tank. It's alive. It is alive. Synthetic protoplasm, my boy, the first ever created... It's breathing, yes, and it's also growing. Life becomes stronger in it by the moment. It's, it's changing color, Dad. It's becoming a pale green. Yes, it's growing fast. Very fast. I never dreamed that success would come Hello, so completely. Hi, Dan. I thought I'd find you here. Why, Dan. Dan Duncan himself. Hiya, Professor. What do you want here? Oh, just a few pictures. Shot of you in your lab, so far. You have the nerve to come here after what you've done. What I've done? You haven't seen anything yet. You and your father are big news now. You're going to be bigger. Dan, you'd better go. Better go? I don't follow you, kid. I said you'd better go. There isn't any story here for you. No story? Hey, what's eating you? Aren't you here to get a follow-up? No, I came here to get the truth. Something you wouldn't be interested in. Hey, what kind of talk is that? Are you going to go or will I have to throw you out? Throw me out? Now listen, kid. You want me to try it? All right, I will. Okay. Okay, I'm going. Take your hands off me. But don't think you can get away with this. You're fired. And that's all right with me. As for you, Professor, you and your artificial man are going to be so well-known in a day or two, you'll be getting offers from Hollywood. And so, with each edition of the papers, the headlines grew bigger. Telegraph wires carried editorials condemning Professor Davis. Is it a man or is it a monster Professor Davis has created? By his refusal to answer questions, the professor led us to suspect that... Radio commentators spread the story to still more listening millions. A strange substance like pale green gelatin. Now it moves and stirs in its confinement, seeking to escape. This strange creation of the... And speakers denounced Professor Davis. And I ask you, can science be permitted to venture into these forbidden realms unchecked? Who knows what horror may emerge from the laboratory if we are not careful? This mad thing must be stopped. Stop! Oh, it's me, Ted. Oh. Ted, did you have any trouble? No, no, I got the medicine for your father, all right, and I, I brought the evening papers, too. What do they say? Pretty bad. 
They're all using Duncan's story, and he shot the works. Ted, how can he do such a thing? Well, he's a very plausible writer. He has a knack for making people believe him. If anybody accuses him of lying, he'll just say that he was misled by your father. I see. I'm sorry you lost your job trying to help us. That doesn't matter. I was about ready to quit anyway. How, how is your father now? He seems to be sleeping quietly. Well, I'm sticking around until he's all right again. Well, you don't have to do that, Ted. I'll make out. If I hadn't gotten into that fight with Duncan, your father might not have had his stroke. No, it was just the excitement of his heart, but I know how to take care of him. But, Ted, I'm frightened. About your father? No. No, about it. The protoplasm. Oh. It's changed just since this morning. It's changed? How? It's grown and... Well, come on, see if he's... All right. Helen, it seems to be taking on shape. Yes, and it looks... Oh, Ted, it looks like green gelatin. The way Duncan describes it. And look, there's a vague shape like a head and, and the rough outline of arms and legs. Oh, Oh, it isn't possible. It shouldn't be, but it's happening. Something terrible is taking place inside that glass tank. I don't understand. Your father certainly never intended to create this. You know, all afternoon I've been wondering if father really has created it. I don't follow you, Ellen. You you mean some outside force might be responsible? Ted, you know the old saying, believe in a thing enough and it'll come true. Yes, of course. Well, I think that's true. The power of belief is a tremendous thing. People begin to believe that, well, that there's going to be a depression, and there is a depression. But, Ellen... They begin to believe that strangers and foreigners are enemies, and pretty soon they are enemies. They believe there's going to be a war, and war comes. Well, that's true, but what are you getting at? How many people are reading Dan Duncan's story this very minute, right now, while we're talking? Oh, hundreds of thousands, probably, all over the nation. Maybe a million. And they all believe it's true. Well, a good many of them. Yes, Dan has a genius for being plausible. Then don't you see, Ted? Here in this laboratory is the necessary material for a monster. And out there are all those people believing in such a fantastic monster. You mean... You mean a million people are thinking life into the protoplasm. Yes, Ted. I know it sounds fantastic, but that monster was never created by my father. Dan Duncan created it when he wrote about it. Well, if that's true... There's no other answer. Over there in that glass tank is something that's alive only because millions of people believe it's alive. No, it is alive. There's no telling what it may become. Ellen, we have to destroy it. It'll break Dad's heart, but we can't let it live. Well, it's growing bigger by the minute. We've got to get rid of it now before it grows any larger. There's acid in those bottles. There, that'll destroy it. All right. Yeah, yeah, I see them. Here. Just as soon as I get it open, it'll take care of the creature. Be careful, Ted. It, it can burn you dreadfully. Ellen, Ellen, what's happening? What are you doing? Dad, darling, you're supposed to be in bed. I'm feeling better. I wanted to see how the protoplasm was. Please go back to bed, Dot. Your heart. Oh, my heart's all right, but I must be sure. Oh, it's changed. Taken on a form. Yes, Professor. A monstrous, unnatural form. It has a head, arms, legs. 
But it can't have. It's only protoplasm. It's all impossible. Unfortunately, it's true. I can't explain now, but, well, we've got to destroy it. No, no, the combination of my life's work. You can't destroy we it. We must, then. No, no, I won't let you. It's the only thing to do. Professor, look at it. It's crawling around inside the tank now. It's trying to climb out. But it can't be dangerous. It's just harmless protoplasm. Dad, Ted is right. You've got to let us kill it. It's just protoplasm, I tell you. It was just protoplasm. Stand back, Professor. I'm going to empty this acid off. No, no, you mustn't. I will. Dad! Dad! Professor Davis! Tank. He, he fell against the tank and broke it. Is he hurt, Ted? Oh, I'll see. Oh. Ted, the protoplasm is moving toward him. We've got to get him out of here. I have his arm. Quick, you take his feet. Oh, yeah. oh, hurry up, Ted. He's trying to crawl out of the tank. Got to get him upstairs. Can you manage it? Yes, yes. Keep on. All right, easy now, easy. All right, just a little farther. All right, one more step, Ellen. There. Here's the landing. We can, we can put him down here. Now, easy. Easy. There. Oh. Oh. Ted. Ted, I can't find his pulse. Let me try. Dad? Ted, no use. He's gone. I'm afraid so. His heart failed him. I've always known it would someday. <laughs> Ted, down in the laboratory. Yes, it's moving. Look, it's gotten out of the tank and it's crawling all around the lab. And the only way out is down those stairs and through the lab. We're trapped up here. Look, I'm not saying it isn't a good story, Dan. It's a whale of a story. But McGuire wants some pictures. Pictures? How can I get pictures? I can't even get into the place. I don't care. Just get them. You want me to bust in the window, I suppose. Let your conscience be your guide. And I know you haven't got a conscience. But make it fast. I want those shots for the late morning edition. All right. I'm going. With a camera in one hand and a bunch of skeleton keys in the other. It's looking for food, Ted. Yes, and it's getting frantic. Look how it crawls back and forth through the lab. It's been doing that for an hour now. Look how enormous it's grown. Suppose it tries to come up these stairs to this balcony. Well, it may not. It it has no eyes, no intelligence. It's just protoplasm, blindly seeking food. But suppose it does try to come up the stairs. Well, then we'll stop it. I have the gun here that I found in your father's desk. I'll I'll use that on it. I don't think it would even feel a bullet. Well, we'll see. There. Now, it's on the other side of the lab now, in plain sight. Stand back, dear, and I'll, I'll try a couple of shots. I hit it. It didn't even notice. Oh. Well, if we could only reach those bottles of acid, that would fix it. But every time we've started down the stairs, it, it's rushed over to wait for us. I must feel the vibration, but... I'm going to take one more try. Ted, please be careful. Yes, I will. I'll tiptoe down one step at a time. Perhaps I can avoid attracting its attention this time. What's it doing now? Lying quiet, as if it was listening. Only lie quiet a few seconds more. I'm almost at the bottom. Ted, quick! It's coming this way! Oh, oh Ted, it almost got yes, you. Yes, it did touch my foot, but well, I wasn't interested in getting any better acquainted. What are we going to do now? I don't know, I don't know. 
could only reach that acid. Hey, I wonder if it would make any difference if we turned out the lights. They can be controlled from up here, can't they? Oh, yes, but what good would that do? Well, in the dark, it might become inactive. Some elementary organisms are like that. Well, we can try it. Okay, I'll, I'll turn out the light. There. Pitch black now. But it's still moving around. Well, just wait a moment. Listen. What is it, Jim? I heard footsteps outside the house. Footsteps? Just listen. Someone coming in the front door. Yeah, there's someone in the lab. But who would... Good heavens, oh. Duncan, is that you, Dan? Dan, answer me. Is that you? Get out, get out, quick. Okay, kid, keep your shirt on. I'm going as soon as I get a picture of this joint. But, Dan, you don't understand. It's loose. Get away, quick. Ellen, turn on that light. Yes, kid. <laughs> you can't scare me, kid. I came to get a picture, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> Nothing left of it. It's gone as if it had never existed. Except for Dan Duncan. Oh, dear. There's nothing we can do for him, Ellen. He's dead. He created the monster. And it's killed him. Maybe it's true about believing in things and making them happen. Wars and depressions and uh, artificial monsters and things like that. I think I'll make a New Year's resolution to be careful what I believe in 1947. Uh, no more believing in bogeymen or spooks. I might meet one. Instead, I'll try believing in some of the, uh, some of the nicer things for a change. Such as peace and goodwill among nations. Well, if I can get enough people to join me, maybe they'll come true and... Oh, you'll have to get off here. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this time.
just heard The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and terrifying. In today's cast were Maurice Toplin, Chuck Webster, Louise Fitch, Wendell Holmes, Edgar Staley, and Bill Smith. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. The Mysterious Traveler is written, produced, and directed by Bob Arthur and David Cogan. And now, a preview of next week's strange and shivery story by The Mysterious Traveler. It's only two days now to New Year's Eve. Were you planning a big celebration to greet 1947? I'd be careful if I were you. Because, you see, our story next week is about a man who did just that. In fact, it was such a big celebration that when he got over it, it wasn't 1947 at all, but 1948. He lost a whole year out of his life. And when he finally got the year back, well, what happened to him shouldn't happen to a werewolf. So take it easy, New Year's Eve, so you'll be sure to be on hand next week for the strange and terrifying tale I call New Year's Nightmare. The Mysterious Traveler is presented from our New York studios. Carl Caruso speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. behind-the-scenes glimpse into the workshops of the nation's top mystery writers, be sure to hear Mr. Mystery every week. The famous creators of your favorite fiction battlers will be guests of Mr. Mystery. You'll hear short, short mystery dramatizations as well. Don't miss your chance for plus mystery entertainment and hear Mr. Mystery and a well-known guest expert every week over most of these stations. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, feel free to email me at Radio Show Nerd at gmail.com and I also have a YouTube page please check it out subscribe, share, like the videos will be highly appreciated again this is your host Keith aka the radio show nerd signing off